You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I do. I think there are some guys that were really stepping forward and, and you know, organizing some some things on their own and, and, you know, keeping the guys on track. You know, I think in the back end, you know, DiCaprio Boodle has done a great job along with Deontay Williams, Markel Deschmuke. Obviously, Will Honus and, and Colin Miller in the middle have done a really good job. And then, you know, there's been some other guys, you know, Damian Jackson's been really good, um, as well as Ben Stilley and some of those other kind of older guys up front. But I think we've identified enough leaders to, to really do a good job this year. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was Husker defensive coordinator Eric Shenander on his uh, appearance on the Husker Sports Network this week as he broke down Nebraska's defense that could end up featuring seven senior starters in 2020. Um, and guys, we are moving another step closer to football as on Friday, um, mini camps will open around college football um, and those run until August 6th. The proposed start date for August fall camp is August 7th. Obviously, we don't know if the season is going to start on time or not. Um, you hear everything from an on-time start, get it going to, you know, I heard Rick Neuheisel on the radio um, here on Wednesday saying that he's hearing out of the Pac-12 possibly September 26th, a three-week delay uh, to the start of the season. But um, we're all kind of still trying to piece together what this season's going to look like. But you get the impression Power 5 football is moving forward and, and, and we could know more, a lot more, in about a week. Yeah, and it's encouraging that even some of the you know, more – pessimistic comments that were made when things really seem to be taking a turn for the worse there a week or two ago they're starting to maybe lessen up you know gene smith the ohio state athletic director uh talked about you know ohio state starting back up it's it's fall practices and you know he cautioned that he was still you know taking things day by day but you know he was at least saying some things that led him to believe he was optimistic they will play football this fall and there's been no conversations about moving anything to the spring so um you know as long as you know everyone in the big 10 as far as nebraska is concerned is on the same page and moving forward um you know it looks like unless something again sidetracks this whole deal uh there will be a season of some sort this fall and i know that is uh, music to the ears of many people listening right now yeah i mean i think that's the biggest thing is is everyone being on the same page and doing the same things and, and following the same guidelines and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I think that – I think it's pretty clear that Nebraska is, is, uh, has been handling it pretty well and, and they're, they're geared up and ready to go. And, um, you know, I think the best thing for everybody is, is for the, these mini camps to start up and for things to continue to go smoothly as we get closer to the, the beginning of the season. Well, I think starting up on June 1 officially with the unorganized workout portion of the calendar has given them a lot of time to learn. Um, and, and, you know, the, the ones that didn't have the experience Nebraska had with having the players back and testing and monitoring, they pulled the plug and they, they, had, they would take reset breaks to try to kind of regather their pieces and chips. I think it was better that that was done in June mm -hmm. than late July, August. Um, I, I think everyone knows how to approach this. I think the most complicated thing, topic, continues to be contact tracing and how do you do that. And, you know, I, I even, you know, with Lincoln Public Schools here in Lincoln, just their process of contact tracing and, you know, if you're not wearing a mask versus wearing a mask, you know, the, just the protocols of how they determine contact tracing and isolating those people, um, how that's going to be measured and looked upon. Because, you know, I talked to somebody at Kansas State this week and they're like, 
you know, the most players we, we've had no, 27 players at all times or more that we've had a hell out because of contact tracing on people that test positive. And when will that be lax? I think that that's a really complicated issue as you bring this in. If there's a positive test, if everyone that's been in contact with that player has to also quarantine or, or what the protocols are going to be in those situations. Well, and for me, you know, what Rick Neuheisel mentioned starting the season a little bit later, that's where I think kind of it makes sense because there's the, going to be the whole other element of the regular student body returning to campus. And so that idea of contract tracing some suddenly becomes significantly more difficult and giving yourself a few more weeks, uh, even if it's just that to uh, evaluate and analyze and, you know, be to give you some time to, um, you know, adjust to any you know, future setbacks that might happen with that, uh, I think all for the better. And so if it does mean starting at the end of September rather than the beginning, and it gives you a better window to uh, be able to better handle um, a completely new scenario where, you know, you have your student athletes, um, not just within the football bubble, you know, you're going to classes, in-person classes with uh, regular students. Uh, I think that's a smart move that, you know, with a, a season that is on walking such a fine line, any, you know, further cushion you can give yourself seems a, you know, like a pretty advantageous move. So where are we at? So the Pac-12 is all conference games, right? Yeah, they're, Pac-12 and the Big Ten are looking at 10-game conference-only schedule. They haven't said 10, but that's the proposed number. The SEC, talking to Roddy down at Georgia, they're looking at an 8 plus 1, eight SEC games, preserving then your one Power 5 non-con game, a nine-gamer. The ACC is looking at a 9 plus 1 where they, you know, the 9 kind of comes into play because of Notre Dame. Notre Dame has six ACC games on the ACC schedule. They're going to kind of count that as part of the ACC. Um, and then Notre Dame might add, uh, I know talking to Gene Williams at Florida State, there's a chance that Florida State might travel to Tallahassee um, as part of that deal. And um, Notre Dame go to Tallahassee or – no, or, or I'm sorry, or Notre, Notre Dame or Florida State go to South Bend is oh, what he said. Go, yeah. And, you know, I think some of that is to try to make this TV deal whole for everybody um, to give probably Notre Dame a very quality home game for NBC. And because I think this is what it's all about. How do you make these TV deals as close to whole as possible? And having a very good ACC team go to Notre Dame, you know, Florida State's that program, that gives NBC something that they can pay Notre Dame with. And, I mean, that, that to me is a lot of this right now. The Big 12 – um, you know, Kerry Murdoch, I don't know if he's accurate on this, but he said they're looking to play in all 12 games, which that would be a shock to me. I mean, I think yeah. 10 seems to be the most. Nine is kind of where the SEC appears to be at right now. Yeah, and, I mean, Bill Moose even said he wanted to play 12, but, you know, a lot of I times. I want to play 14, yeah, that too. That decision does, yeah. doesn't always, uh, uh, you know, come out of your control. But I, I agree, Sean. I think TV is the number one uh, most important domino right now uh, because of, how much revenue schools across the country are going to be losing, not only by playing less games, but um, probably likely having limited to no fans in attendance. And so that is a huge chunk of your yearly budget that is off the table right now. And so they need to preserve as much as possible of the number one revenue source, and that is those TV contracts. And so getting as many of those games in prime time slots and allowing the TV networks to uh, you know, capitalize as much as they can on whatever season we have is so critical to being able to keep these athletic departments afloat financially. Yeah, maximizing the TV deals. And, and I'm sure we'll probably even see schools get creative with advertising. You know, if there are limited amount of fans in the stadiums, you know, I'm sure that uh, you know there's, there's certain things you could do in Memorial Stadium or the empty parts that there would be to, to maximize advertising or whatever. So 
Um, that's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see how how all you know all that comes together. When Rutgers announced this week, and I thought this was actually encouraging that they said that they're only going to allow 500 fans. To me, that's like, all right, at least they're they're thinking about playing at Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, there was a real question about them even being able to play because yeah. uh, the New Jersey uh, legislation that went down about having public gatherings. So. Five hundred fan, and the, the, you know that that led to the great punchline joke. Well, then that's more than they'll have normally at games. <laughs> that joke has been worn into the ground. Oh, and <laughs> people were getting pretty fired up. The Rutgers play-by-play guy, Chris Conlon, who replaced Mad Dog Chris Russo on WFAN Radio. I mean, he was going off at people for making fun. He's the Rutgers play-by-play guy yeah. too, and people were getting pretty sensitive about the Rutgers jokes. But just having. That announcement, I thought, was encouraging. And I'm sure they looked at it like this. Look, if we don't play, you're going to lose this much money. If we play and have these testing requirements in place, um, hey, you know, we'll still get this amount of revenue and our school will be able to survive. So, I mean, that's a lot of this right now is survival. Well, yeah, and, you know, the, the big question is, yes, Nebraska is doing everything they can to play. I mean, basically every level of administration has said that. Uh, they're full go. But you got to have somebody to play games against. And so the more encouraging news you hear from around the conference is just as important as what happens at Nebraska, in my opinion. I mean, their idea of being able to find 10 games to play this year, I mean, you need that conference to do well. So uh, Rutgers was one of the biggest concerns in the league. And the fact that they seem to be operating, even if it's without fans, I mean, they're operating as if they're going to play that's a big step in the right direction when you're, I guess, one, theoretically one of the highest risk schools and one of the highest risk areas is moving forward. That's a very good sign for the rest of the conference. Yeah, at this point, who cares you know, how many fans are going to allow in to the stadiums yeah. as long as the season can, can start and, and you can get nine, ten games in or whatever the, the case may be. Well, guys, lots to talk about. I want to discuss high school football around the country, things we're hearing about who's going on time, who's not. Um, State of Nebraska announced they're going to go on time. So we'll discuss that. Uh, and we'll continue this discussion because I know so many people listening right now want to know, are we going to play football? What did these guys know? Well, we'll keep that discussion going. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.